All right, praise God. It's uh, good to have some sunny weather for a change here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, glad to see that, praying that it stays for a while and we get rid of this rain, and uh, I'll be really, really happy with that. Um, I've noticed kind of a, a theme, if you will. It seems as, you know, every time I'm up here delivering a message, usually there's something around, you know, something that happened current events wise. And I always pray and ask God, all right, Lord, why is it that it seems like every message I deliver, you know, has to do with something, you know, current in, in current events. And he what he shared with me is that it's it's time that we just we, we need to be ready for what's coming. Um, and current events is, a, is, is the opportunity to really see the things that the Bible talks about seeing it play out in the real world because a lot of times reading the bible um the bible does use a lot of metaphors it's it's tough sometimes for people especially non-christians to really understand well when the bible says this what does it actually mean is it a literal thing that the lord is saying or is there some sort of figure of speech that he's using what does it look like when we say we're we're nearing the end times i mean does that mean i go outside my house and i see bombs dropping um you know in, in my neighborhood especially for the oh, those of us that live here in the u.s that that's not anything we've ever, you know, experienced here as versus some of the some of the other countries. And so what I what I feel God is keep keep saying is that we've we've got to just pay attention and we've got to be aware of what's going on going on out there because time is getting short. And if you look at uh, current events, and I'm, I'm not going to make uh, any political stances, if you will, uh, in, in terms of who I voted for, why, and all of those things. But if you look in the news, you can see that there are political parties in there that are in opposition to the current president um, of the country, regardless of whether or not you voted for him, you like him, whatever the case may be, whether or not you agree with his agenda, he is the leader of this nation, and decisions that he makes is going to have impacts on this nation for years to come and there's those in political arenas that whatever every waking moment they get they are will, they are willing to do whatever they can to disrupt any kind of progress that the, that the president is, is trying to make and again I'm not making political statements that you can read about this online you can watch the news and you can and you can see these things and then you have news outlets that will take the truth and they will twist it around and they'll focus on one thing and just outright at times make up lies and you're left there watching the news reading things online and really trying to figure out, well, what do I believe? Who do I believe? Who's telling the truth? Who's not telling the truth? And if you're not careful, you can easily be swayed by things that if you do some research into it, you realize it really was just a, just a, blatant, a blatant lie. Now, the enemy knows that his time is running short. And that spirit of deception is running rampant around, I think, the, the entire world. Um, if you look at what's, what's being broadcast out there, you look at some of these other countries that don't have any access to Internet or anything like that, where the government is controlling what they say. And what they see, I feel for them because they don't know what's actually happening in the, in the real world. And so deception is out there. And so today we're actually going to look at how deception operates and what are some things that we can do to, to combat that. Because the times that we are in now, we have to be real careful about making sure that we're not being deceived uh, by, by, by what's happening out there. Sometimes it's done intentionally. Sometimes it could be done intentionally or intentionally and unintentionally. Um, so it's important that we understand how deception operate so that we can start seeing that um, before it happens. So we're going to look at some, some very familiar scriptures, scriptures today um, and to, to build the foundation before we start getting into looking at deception. Let's take a look at John chapter 1 verse 1.
John 1, 1. And we've been to this scripture on, on uh, several occasions. So to, to build, this, build this in the context here, let's start with John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Underlying, without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay? So if we break down those set of scriptures there, what we see is that Jesus is God, and he's part of the Trinity. Now, this particular scripture doesn't get, in, get into um, calling out the third part of the Trinity, which is Holy Spirit. But as you can see there, Jesus is God. Okay? Now, if we look at that again, we can break it down this way and say that in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. He, again, being Jesus, was with God. And all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So it's important to recognize that Jesus is, Jesus is God, um, and they are one and the same. How that whole trinity operates, I have no idea. I've been you know, asking God about that for many years, and he has not <laughs> chosen to tell me how that works. So I guess that's one of those things when I get to heaven, I'll ask him and he'll, he'll, t- he'll tell me then. Um, but it's important to get that um, in context, because if you looked at Genesis chapter 1, when, when it looks at the creation of the world, you see that God said, God said. So if God is Jesus and Jesus is God, then Jesus created everything. This scripture here is saying all things are made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. So Jesus and God are one and the same. So that's important to recognize as we look at a couple of other scriptures to build the foundation. Let's jump from, uh, to John 14, chapter 14, verse 1. Again, some familiar scriptures. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Underline all of verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Underline that as well. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So you can see in those first couple of scriptures there, again, it's referencing that Jesus is saying that if you believe in me, then you believe in God. Why is that? Well, because God and Jesus are one and the same, part of the, part of the Trinity. So you can't believe in God and then not believe in Jesus and vice versa. Okay? Um, and... In verse 2 again, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So Jesus is saying that if I tell you that there's many mansions in my father's house, then there's many mansions in my father's house. If I tell you that you're going to be victorious, you're going to be victorious. If I'm telling you that all these things have to come to pass as we start getting towards the end times, then that means that's what's going to happen. So Jesus is saying that whatever I say... That's it. If I say the sky is purple, guess what color the sky is? It's not green. It's purple, okay? Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you long, been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So again, Jesus is saying that if you know me and you believe in me, then you know my Father. You've seen my Father, and you believe in, you believe in my Father. Okay? You look at verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to underline that whole, that whole uh, verse there, because there's some pretty critical things in there that, that, that Jesus is saying. Now, we just sung a song, open my eyes, oh Lord, I want to see Jesus. Open my ears, help me to, help me to listen. Well, if you're doing that, then you should know that Jesus is the way. Which means that if you're ever lost about something or if you're not sure who is it that I believe when I hear two things that really, 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 really sound like the truth, where do I go to find out what the actual truth is? Well, you can go to Jesus because he's the, well, I jumped ahead there, but he, he is the way so that you don't get lost. The truth, when you don't know what the truth is, you can go to Jesus, but you have to be following him. You have to ask him to open your eyes to what's happening in the world. You have to ask him to help you see into, into, into the spirit world because what you see around you right now, believe it or not, it's not, it's not just what's happening in the physical. It's the things in the spirit realm that are driving what happens in the physical, world, in the physical realm. Okay? So you have to have, look, if you notice that Jesus is the way and the truth, he is going to be able to point you in the right direction so you never get lost. He'll be able to speak to you so you know, so you know what the truth is. And life means that you will have eternal life with him. Okay? You can't accomplish any of those things without Jesus. And if you don't think that Jesus is God and you try to separate the two as if, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but but I don't believe in God, then there's no way that you're going to know what the right path is. You're not going to know what the truth is. And you're not going to um, have, have that everlasting life because they are, they are one and the same. Um, and Jesus also said to Philip again, you know, saying to him here in, in verse uh, 9 there, um, you know, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Okay. There are people out there, believe it or not, that do believe in the existence of God, but don't believe in the existence of Jesus. Okay, um, there are some out there, and, and I've had friends in in, um, in in college that when it comes down to Christmas time, they say, "Oh yeah, I love Christmas, but don't don't just don't do any Jesus stuff." Okay, but they have no problem saying, "Oh yeah, I pray to God all the time. I believe in God. God God is good. God is this. God is that." But then they just completely leave Jesus out of out of the equation. So you can't believe in one and not believe in the other. So what does that have to do um, with uh, with deception? Well, we're going to take a look at that actually um, uh, here shortly. Uh, one of the things that Jesus said is that I go to prepare a place for you because in my Father's house there are many mansions. So if you really, 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 really believe that, you have to recognize that. God hasn't left you. So when you're looking at the news and you're watching TV and you're hearing all these things going on, God hasn't left. He's coming back. Jesus is going to make a, make a place for you. You get a real estate agent as you're looking for a house. Do you see the real estate agent 24-7? No. You meet with them for a period of time. They go off to go find some houses for you, and then they come back. Well, Jesus is the same way, except he's actually building a place for you um, in heaven that, that, that is going to be beyond anything a real estate agent can, could find, you, find for you. Amen. 
So it seems so easy, right? If Jesus is God and God created everything and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and this pastor was talking about in his opening remarks that the life that we live is, is really so easy. You just give it, you give it to God and he'll take care of everything. Why is it that we actually allow ourselves to become deceived? How does that happen? Well, let's take a look at this by going to Genesis chapter 2. And again, this, these are some, some more familiar scriptures here. Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to go to verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend, to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in, that, for in the day that you, you eat of it you shall, you shall surely die. Okay? So God gave very specific instructions to Adam. Do not eat of this tree. Okay? And if you do, here's the consequences. Now, you've got to remember, too, that during this time... Adam didn't know sin. He was walking with God. He was in God's presence. God gave him specific instructions. So it should seem so easy that if God says, here's what you can do and do not do this, and if you, because if you do, here's what's going to happen. should be pretty simple, right? But as we know, as we'll get into here in, in Genesis chapter 3, because we're not going to read, uh, read all of that there, um, but we're, we're going to jump to Genesis chapter 3. And now we're going to look at some, some more scriptures around uh, how deception can get in there. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. So quick recap. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. They're one and the same. Okay. God is all-powerful. We know that he created everything, so we should, be, we should believe in both of them. And if it is that easy, why is it that we allow ourselves to, be, to, to fall into deception, especially when God gives specific instructions? So in Genesis chapter 2, we just saw that God told Adam, here's what you can do. Do not eat of this tree, and if you do, you're going to die. Adam walked with God, so it should be easy, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay. So Eve knew right there that what God's instruction was don't touch that fruit don't touch that tree or you're going to die and now she just told that to Satan yeah he said that okay so you see what the what the what the devil just did there if you if you go in verse one I want you to, to underline where it says has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden because at that moment in time deception is starting to operate and the reason it's starting to operate now is because what the devil is so slyly doing, if you will, if that's even a word, what he's so subtly doing is he's starting to plant a little bit of doubt into Eve's mind by saying, did God say that you, you shouldn't eat of that every tree of the garden? Okay. And Eve responded and said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Okay, underline that. And I want you to write in your margin if you don't have it already is a lie. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw, underline saw, that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, underline pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were both naked, and they sewed fig, tree, fig leaves together and made themselves covering, coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Okay, so let's back up here just a little bit, all right? In verse 1, you see the devil posing the first question. Did God say that you can eat of everything? Eve says, yes, except for this tree, because we will die. And then, the, and then Satan tells an outright lie and says, no, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And then what, is he, well, then what happens is now Eve starts to think, like, hmm, okay, I can be like God. I can be wise. I'm looking at this fruit and this, this tree. It looks, really, it looks really, really, really good. So it's that shiny object. How many times have we heard here about the devil throwing out that shiny object to you? Something that's appealing to the five senses. And that's what happened here. Is now it's that, oh, this, this, this does look good. You know, I think, I think I am going to eat of it. I think I'm going to try it. And if you think about why people have such a hard time believing that God exists is because that the notion of God doesn't appeal to the five senses. Okay, when you think about when you see how God operates in your life, you don't actually see God, you know, actually putting his hands in, in places and doing this and doing that or or saying things to his angels and dispatching him. You don't actually see that. What you see is you see the end result of how something worked out in your favor. So people have a hard time with the concept of God because there's nothing to see other than some words on a on a piece of paper um, or, or hearing what, what people said, how they've been delivered through situations. So people don't. Don't don't tend to think that God actually exists, or that there can be this this spiritual being that actually cares about all of us, that put everything to existence. So they will fight it nonstop. They will fight it tooth and nail because it's not appealing to the five senses. But what is appealing here in this case was what was on that tree, the fruit, and the thought of the idea of I can be wise. Okay, so you you can see there um, in verse six. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So you see there is that and, and how many people really look at. But what's the saying goes? It goes, knowledge is power, right? And how many people desire just to get so much knowledge, so much knowledge, so much knowledge, and then as they get that knowledge, they start to get prideful and they get puffed up, puffed up in themselves because they know stuff that no one else knows. And because of that, they start to attract all of these crowds of all these people that are saying, how do you know that? Can you tell me how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? How many books out there around prosperity and wealth are out there? Because you've got somebody that made millions and millions of dollars because they just have to, to, to be at the right place at the right time, so to speak, which then led off to other events happening and they made all this money. Appealing to the eye would be looking at that bank account and seeing six 
figures in there on a constant basis, seeing my annual income being six figures, that's appealing to the eye. So then they go out and they follow this person that has this, this so-called knowledge of how to make, make money quick. So you get all of these quick, get, uh, what do they call them, get-rich-quick schemes that's, that start to happen because it's appealing to the eyes. Knowledge is power. I've seen it in the workplace. People that have been with an organization for a long, a long period of time don't tend to, um, when, when there's cultural change going on, they don't tend to, 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 to give up the knowledge that they know. Because what they feel is that if I share this knowledge, that makes me replaceable. And I don't want to be replaceable. I like knowing this. I like being an expert. I like everybody coming in, coming to me and ask questions. And you can see as you interact with those people, there is a big spirit of pride that's, that, that's driving them, okay? Um, so that whole concept around being wise and, and, and knowing more and, and where the devil says, be like God, People always talk about, yeah, I'm, I'm God, like you see it in movies and comic books and, <laughs> and things like that. When, when someone has you know, overcome some, something that they should not have, they say, oh, yeah, I'm like a God, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And you see where it ends up leading them usually by the end of the movie. They end up having a, um, a, a pretty big fall, um, if you will. It happened to Lucifer, okay, when he, was in, when he was in heaven as an angel. How many times did he say, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this? And what happened? It got him cast out of heaven, and now he's down down here on earth um, wreaking all sorts of wreaking all sorts of havoc there okay so lots of lots of things going on in there we're going to break some of those down here um, in a little bit but I want to go now is over to uh, to verse 9 or actually start in, in verse 8 um, and continue this through and see what happens when you allow yourself to be allow yourself to be deceived okay verse 8 and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden so they knew what they did was wrong okay so now they're feeling ashamed and so on your margin in verse 8 if you don't have this written already I want you to write sin brings shame okay they know they sinned so you look at that thing that's appealing to the eye you go after it you achieve it and then you realize oh I wasn't following God and now I'm I'm feeling ashamed because I didn't do what God wanted me to do verse 9 then the Lord called to Adam and said to him where are you so he said I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat then the man said the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So now Adam's throwing Eve under the bus, like he doesn't have a mind for his own to think, and it sits there and he blames Eve, okay? Then the, um, verse 12 again, then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. How many times have you heard people blame God for their problems? Okay. Well, Lord, you made everything. You made this. You made that. It's your fault that I that I couldn't that, that that I'm not being successful. You put these challenges out here. Your word says that I will experience trials and tribulations. So it's not my fault I'm going through this. It's your fault. Okay. I remember I had a friend in um, back in elementary school and and. Um, uh, 
his his sister's boyfriend at the time he had a a, a terrible uh, accident where his his leg was actually run over by a truck and he had some some uh, damage to it to, to his leg and at that point in time he actually blamed God for that he said it was God's fault that he didn't he didn't protect him and that's why his leg got got messed up the way the way it was okay people will do that God if you created everything you're all powerful you're this loving God why are these things happening to me it's not my fault I go to church every Sunday. I tithe every single Sunday. Eh, I may read my Bible once a week. It might probably on Sunday. I do these things, but yet and still, I'm still having these issues. It's not my fault. I'm doing everything that your word is saying. It's your fault, okay? And, um, and so we see people that, that do that. And here you see Adam is blaming, blaming Eve. Um, verse 13, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Talking about Jesus being the seed, her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, and desire shall, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, say, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall, and to dust you shall return. I mean, that, that's pretty powerful there, what, what, what God is saying. And if, if you think about um, giving birth today, I have no idea what it would have been like had Adam and Eve not eaten of that fruit. Okay, um, you see all the work that man has to go through, go through now. Who knows what life would have been like if they decided to obey God's uh, to obey God's commandments? Okay, so you can see that not following God and allowing yourself to be deceived has great impacts, not just in the here and now, but you think generations and generations down the line. This happened how long ago, and we still have this. This is what shaped the future, the future for today, uh, or where we are today. Um, and what's uh, and what's happening in the future? Okay. Now, um, one thing to recognize, and we're going to go back again here. Um, you look at what the devil told Eve. Okay. He told some truth in his statement. Okay. And what he said was, "You will be like God, knowing good and evil." The lie that he told, however, was that. You will not surely die. God said you will die if you eat of that fruit. So what the enemy does is he will sit there and he will tell you a tiny lie, surround it with some other stuff that sounds a lot like truth to get you distracted away from what's actually truth and have you believing that what he's saying is actually truthful. Okay. Now, how is it that there's some, there's, there's some truth in there? Well, what he said was you will know good and evil. Okay. In verse 8, what happened? 
they hid themselves from God because they knew that they were naked and they, they knew that they were, they were afraid. So they knew that they did something. Okay? The other lie that the devil told in there was that you were going to be like God. Alright? So that it's going to put you in this God-like state where you're going to be all-powerful. You're going to know everything. And those, that little truth around, if you will, or that, that little lie, I should say, around that you will not die and that you will be like God, that's all they focus on. And they've missed over everything that God told them about, no, you are going to die. Do not do it. And also what the devil left out was the fact that God said don't do it. Period. Amen. That's it. There's no arguing with that. So the enemy will, if, if you're not careful, the way deception works, it never just comes out usually as a blatant lie. Because those of us that watch what's going on in the world, we can easily spot what's a lie and what's not. Those that don't know or that they are driven by their own ambitions like, like, Eve, like Eve was, okay, driven by their own ambitions, deception just comes in with a little subtle something or other, a little lie, surrounded by some truth, and then people start focusing on the truth and they forget about the lie that's embedded in the truth. If there's a lie in anything that you say, it's a lie. Period. This is not like mathematics where, what is it, it's a negative times a positive is a negative or whatever it is, something like that. Okay, if you put, uh, if you surround a lie with the truth, it's still a lie, regardless. Okay, and so what the enemy did there was he slowly deceived them by putting in a tiny lie, a couple little lies, and then surrounding it with truth. Okay, now we've seen this in other, in other areas, so let's also, let's go to Matthew 4. Because we're going to look at another situation where, where, where the devil did this. This time he lost on this one. Okay. Matthew chapter 4. All right. And again, we're going in verse 1. So I really want you to grasp and just really think about that um, and understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying the devil tell, is going to tell you the truth. But what he does is he tries to surround lies with some truth to get you focused on the parts that are truthful and forget about the lie as a way to distract you, as a way to get you focused on the thing that's not the lie so that he can, so that he can deceive you, okay? So it's really, really, really important that you, that you recognize that I'm not saying the devil's telling the truth, okay, because he, he doesn't do that. But the way deception works, it'll seem like it's a truth when it's not actually the truth at all. It's actually, it's actually a lie, okay? So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. What did the devil do in the Garden of Eden with Eve? Did God tell you to eat? Didn't he tell you to eat everything that's in the, that, that's in the, in the garden? And he told him, well, yeah, except for this tree over here, okay? So he's starting to plan a little bit of that. A little, he, when he went with Eve, he started kind of getting her to think a little bit about what God actually told him. So here, what do we see here when he says, if you are the son of God, okay? What he's doing there is, now, Jesus knows he's God. Jesus knows that he's the son of God. And God told him that you are my son. Now what he's starting to say there is, did God really tell you that you're, that you're his son? Okay? So what he said there in uh, verse, um, verse 3, If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, uh, uh, proceeds from the mouth of God. And if you notice here, the devil didn't come attacking Jesus when, you know, he was, when everything was all going all well, okay? It was when Jesus was, was in a weakened state. So the way deception works is that it's not going to come at you when you're operating in a, in a strong Christian manner, if you will, when things are going well and you're on cloud nine. You think about when you first got saved, how everything was just glorious, and then next thing you know, it seemed like out of nowhere, bang, you just got hit with something, okay? He didn't go to Jesus when that happened. He, went, he waited until about 40 days into his fast when his body was physically physically weakened his mind would also be physically weakened to some extent because when you when you think about fasting and you're fasting that long at some point your mind could potentially play tricks on you about oh if you just just eat that just get something a little bit you don't need to be you don't need to keep going on with this so you so you've got to be so so he went after him when he was when he was weak all right then the devil took him up into the holy city set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of god Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in his hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot on the stone. Now, remember when I was saying earlier where the devil will surround some lies with the truth. I want you to put a bookmark there, and we're going to jump to uh, Psalms chapter 91, verse 11. Because now what you see here is the devil starting to get a little bit more brazen in his attack, and he's starting to quote scripture now, okay? But there's a key part of the scripture that he that he missed out, missed out on. Psalm 91, verse 11. I'm going to wait for everyone to get there because I want you to I want you to see this. Psalm 91, 11. This is what he this is what the devil is quoting. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. Sh- they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. If you notice in what the devil quoted and what's in scripture there, he left out to keep you in all your ways. Okay. Now, you may think, what does that mean? What do those words mean? That doesn't seem like a big deal. Heck, Christians misquote the Bible at times, right? Difference there is that we don't do it on purpose, right? Because we're human beings, we're subject to, to error, so we're not doing it to try to deceive people. Those key words around to keep you in all your ways... You have to understand how God operates and how he operates his his angels, okay? When we send forward prayers to God, all right, he he hears those and he sends his angels to go out and carry the things on this on this earth. He sends them down there to provide protection for us. He sends them to provide messages, prophecies. Um, Daniel, okay, remember the angel said, God heard your prayer, but it took I was withstood by the, the Prince of Persia withstood me twenty one days before the Archangel Michael helped uh, came and helped me. So he sends his angels to carry things out for us. So to keep you in all your ways means that when Jesus said that you will have trials and tribulations those are going to be tempered based off of what you can actually handle okay so that's important to understand because what the devil is keeping out of that is he's basically saying that you know what god will send his angels to protect you no matter what so just go throw yourself off because they're going to catch you you're going to be just fine and then we'll look at what jesus response is because when the devil quoted that scripture he conveniently left out the fact that you have to understand that 
the angels that you won't be tested beyond what you can actually bear. Okay, so there, so when it, when that says to keep you in all your ways, that means the things and the attacks that are coming your way, they're going to be buff, they're going to be buffered based off of who you are, where your spiritual walk is, and what you can handle. Okay. So it's key to, key to recognize that's how the devil will, ch- will trick you with that deception, okay? And Jesus said to him, well, let's go back to verse 6. Okay, so we're back in Matthew 4, verse 6. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Again, he left out to keep you in all your ways. Jesus said to him, it is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Okay. Quote a scripture right back to him two times so far. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So at that point, Jesus said, look, I had enough of this, okay? All right? This is what the word says. And what Satan saw there is is that, okay, I can't hit you with this. I've come at you. I've tried to put some doubt in your mind about who you are um, and what you stand for. I threw some scripture at you, and I got hit back. My my tactic went against me. I got hit back with scripture. Now the last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to just tell you, you know what, I'll give you all of this if you just get on your knees and and worship me. And then what did Jesus do? He hit him with scripture again. So three times Jesus was tempted. Three times Jesus hit the devil back with scripture. Okay? So if you think that the enemy doesn't know what's in scripture, he knows. Okay, because he did it right there. He quoted some part. He left parts of the scripture out, but he quoted some of the scripture to Jesus. But what Jesus did was he knows the scripture because he's the son of God. He's the word like that was that was talked about in John one. The word being God and the word being with God. He knew the word. So he threw the word right back at Satan and threw it back at him completely accurate. One hundred percent accuracy. Okay. so when I was going back and I was talking about the enemy going in there and throwing in some a, a, a little lie and then trying to surround it with a bunch of truth, the way that you understand that it's a lie is by knowing the word and knowing it 100% accurately. Amen? Okay? That's how you end up defeating the enemy. Because you see three times he tried to hit Jesus and Jesus hit him back three times, not with this legion of angels or something that came and attacked him, attacked him. not with any kind of uh, spiritual power, if you will. He hit him back with the word of God, and that's what ended up defeating, defeating the enemy and made, him, and made him flee. So if you think of going back to the Garden of Eden there, if Eve would have stuck to her guns and just said, look, God said this, and this is what's going to happen, and that's it, okay, the enemy would have, would have fleed. She would have known that she was, she was being deceived and she wouldn't allow that shiny object of being of the fruit or being wise or being like God actually deceive her. Adam, okay, wouldn't have said, oh yeah, sure, since you said eat some of this fruit, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try it. Adam would have known, come on, really? Are you going to come to me? Did you not hear what God just told us? <laughs> you know, he, he, would have, he would have stood up and then he, of course he wouldn't have thrown her under the bus. Okay, when, when, when God asked him, what, what is it that you did and I don't know what would have happened if Adam actually would have said no I'm not going to do that and if he would have stuck by his guns no idea how how that could have changed things now but that's important because the people that are closest to you 
could very well deceive you. Okay? The people that are very closest to you could very well deceive you. So if you know the word and you're paying attention and you're following Christ and you're recognizing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you will know when that person that you care about so much, that person that you love so dearly, is trying to deceive you. Whether they're trying to do it intentionally or not, or because they let themselves get deceived, you will be able to know that right up front, and you'll be able to combat that with Scripture. And again, if you look at how when Jesus was tempted, it was when he was in a weakened state. Okay? So what will happen is, if you get out of reading the Word, you get out of going to church, you get out of praying, the devil's not going to come and hit you that first time you make a decision not to read your Bible, or you don't pray, or you don't go to church. It'll become this pattern of behavior, and he'll slowly start to say, you know, for the last two months or whatever it is, you never stepped foot in that church, you never prayed, you never cracked open your Bible, why even bother? You've done all of this on yourself. See, you don't need God. You can have everything that's out there. Matter of fact, look at all these things that you just accomplished on your own. These shiny objects that are out there that you did on your own without praying, without reading, without going to church. And then next thing you know, you've been deceived and you're pulled away from God and you're trying to do everything in and of, in and of yourself. Which then could end up leading to pride and we know what happens when, when, pride gets a, when pride gets in your life. Okay, And then we know from what God told Adam and Eve in the garden and even Satan there, it has long lasting consequences um, for your life and for those that come after you. So one of the things that you definitely want to do is think about when you're following God okay, and you're making decisions that it's not about the here and now. It's about what's going to come after you. Those of us that have children and those of you out there that have kids, you know, think about how you, you, you run your household in a godly manner, not necessarily for the here and now, but it's because you're, what you do now is going to have impacts on your children. It's going to have impact on their kids and their kids all down the line until Jesus decides to call us home. Okay? So if you think about that from, from, from that, if you think about things from that perspective, it should give you a whole outlook, on, a whole new outlook on life and what it means to follow God. Because, yes, you will have victory here, but there's going to be people, people are going to be coming behind you and your family through your kids and their grandkids, etc., like that. And you've got to be able to um, establish, if you will, uh, establish that seed and establish that structure so that it continues on long after you go. Um, in, in, in business there, they always talk about the most effective leaders are the leaders that don't think about what life is going to be like while they're in the company, but what life is going to be like after they're far removed from that company and being able to set that company up for long-term, long-term success. As a child of God, especially if you have kids, you have to think about how are you going to set your family up for success in a, in a, in a Christian way for generations and generations to come. Okay. So, so, um, so again, be careful with the deception because it, it, it'll come very subtly. It won't be just a, a smack in your face. And you've got to know scripture like the back of your hand so that when the devil does try to quote scripture at you, you can throw it back at him because, you know, all right, you said that, but here's a key part of this that you, that you missed. And while it may not seem like it's a lot, it has a whole nother meaning when you actually have Holy Spirit tell you to keep you in all your ways. It's not just some words that I told somebody to put in this book when they were putting the pen to the paper. There's bigger, there's, there's bigger impacts to that. Last scripture we're going to look at here when we're talking about making sure that we don't get deceived now that we, we can see how, how the devil will try to deceive us um, and see some things that we can do to, to combat that. Let's close out by going to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Second Timothy chapter three, verse fourteen. Second Timothy three fourteen. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and had been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay? So if you understand that the whole Bible, everything in there that, that has been written, was inspired by God, even though man actually you know, put the ink to the paper or whatever it was that they would use during those times until we got to the printed Bibles that we, that we have today. If you understand that this was all inspired by God and that this is instruction for how you, how you live your life, then you should know that this is your manual that you need to abide by while you're here on this earth, okay? Being able to understand the tactics of the enemy, how you can combat those things, how to use scripture, because the word of God also said uh, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, you have to recognize that that, the, that quoting scripture and, and using that to attack the enemy versus the how you think you might deal with a human. I mean, this is not like uh, being a kid in elementary school and, you know, you get that bully that's messing with you and then, you know, you call up your big brother and your big brother comes out there and they're ready to fight. You know, and, and you know, in school, oh, don't mess with that person because the bigger brother is uh, is, is is big. You don't want to mess with him. That that's if you if you treat the devil that way, he's going to whip you in so many different ways. The only way to combat him is by knowing the scripture and recognizing that all scripture is is inspiration by God and is inspired by God, and it is the instruction for for how you should you should carry your life. Amen. So with that, I pray that um, as you go forward, that you that that you continue to study, study God's word, that you recognize when the enemy is is trying to deceive you and that, you know, scripture well enough to be able to hit him, to be able to hit him with uh, with with scripture so that you can be victorious. Amen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and prepare to bless God with our tithes and offerings.